Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football coming off a of bye week with Dan Weber, beat writer and columnist for uscfootball.com. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or give us a call or a text at 424-254-9141. We do appreciate all your calls and emails and texts, and uh, please uh, subscribe on iTunes, itunes.com slash Podcast or whatever your favorite podcasting app. Leave us some positive feedback. A five-star rating always helps to... Uh, let other Trojan fans know out there that maybe they don't know about our show. We've been doing this for 10 years, but maybe they don't know yet. Let them know, and uh, hopefully they'll jump in and start listening. we got a bunch of shows scheduled this week leading up to Friday's Pac-12 championship game between USC and Stanford, and we wanted to talk to Dan Weber, have him talk about kind of the landscape of what's been going on, uh, lots of stuff going on in the Pac-12 and across the country, and then, of course, uh, talk about the game and answer a lot of your questions. You guys have sent in a whole bunch, so we'll try to get to them all. What's up, Dan? How you doing? Oh, doing great. Uh, yeah, a lot of, as, as we say, uh, there, there's no time off for news, uh, you know, around. And it's interesting. Uh, that's the entire Pac-12 now and, um, and college football and ways in which it might impact USC. There's just all kinds of, all kinds of stuff going on. And uh, there is a football game to be played Friday, and that's going to be here pretty quickly. It definitely will be here pretty quickly, and uh, going to look forward to that. We'll all be up there. We'll have a whole team up there in Santa Clara. We're going to talk about that. Before we jump in, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. They've been selling you delicious foods and beverages at terrific everyday prices for 50 years now. Yes, they had their 50th anniversary back in August of 2017. The original Trader Joe's is actually the Royal, it's on a Royal Parkway in Pasadena. So it's still a favorite among a lot of the customers. Uh, I have a brand new one near me in Hermosa Beach I love to go to. And of course, the one at USC at the University Village. So if you want to go, you need to pick up a bottle of wine. We actually did that this weekend for uh, some of the Thanksgiving parties we went to. Picked up some wine at Trader Joe's. Uh, they got lots of good beers. We had some people actually bring some over, um, which was cool. And uh, wines, cheeses, uh, the staples too, like eggs, milk, bread, butter, uh, everything like that. But we love going to Trader Joe's. I know, Dan, you love it too. And uh, they've been a thank- we're very thankful they've been a sponsor of the show. And uh, we, lo- we look forward to uh, keep working with them. Yeah, I was there uh, the other day with, uh, with my wife looking for things that she went to visit her mother in Chicago, north of Chicago. Uh, her mother takes her to her favorite Trader Joe's. And so uh, we went and got some of the things that are her mother's favorite things from, uh, from Trader Joe's just the other day. So, uh, yep, Trader Joe's is, uh, turns out we didn't, had no idea uh, her mother was a big uh, Trader Joe's fan as well. So, uh, uh you can't get away from Trader Joe's. No. Um, we love it. Yeah, we uh, we love doing it. I actually got gotten a little, not an argument, but like talking with some of our buddies at the Irish Illustrated site, and they're they're begging for a Trader Joe's in South Bend. <laughs> so I let her contact know. I'm like, hey, you know, you guys let me, let me know if you guys going to put a Trader Joe's in South Bend. That's just one of the things USC has up on Notre Dame. We got Trader Joe's, and they do not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's something. You can support that. Um, hey, so Dan, so... 
wanted to kind of talk about some of the the big news uh, that's going around before we jump into the questions. I mean, so it's it's been so crazy. Uh, you see uh, Todd Graham get fired. He went seven and five, beat Washington this year, uh, beat Utah. Won, you know, uh, beat Arizona. Uh, I mean, Arizona in the Territorial Cup. Uh, he still gets let go. Uh, Jim Mora, no surprise. You know, he gets fired. But UCLA brings in really the biggest fish, if you want to talk about you know the biggest buzz, maybe outside of John Gruden, um, Chip Kelly. So he comes in. I know we've had different kind of views on that. I thought when the last go around, USC should have interviewed Chip Kelly. He, uh, Pat Hayden was asked specifically if he did. He said he did not. Um, you're not as high. I, mean, I don't think you're as high on him. But what do you think about this? I think it at least gives legitimacy and relevance to the UCLA program. But what were your kind of thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I, um, I, I'm interested to, for example, they asked that question of both uh, Clay Helton and, um, and David Shaw on the uh, championship game conference call today. And David Shaw had some interesting things to say. He said, you know, he, uh, he texts uh, uh, with uh, uh, Chip Kelly. Uh, he keeps up with him. He's really glad he came back because he said uh, he really challenged the Pac-12 when he was at Oregon. And he forced the Pac-12 to be better. Then there's no question about that, and that's a good thing. And I think he, uh, you know, he was doing things that nobody else had thought of, and he figured out how to do them and how to get his kids in shape and uh, how to, you know, make it work for the uh, athletes he could get into school there. And uh, and, and I thought I thought he did a good job. I thought by the end, I think they were there was some catching up. He wasn't running away from people. Uh, necessarily all the way through. I thought, you know, USC went up there and beat him in 2011 when he had, I think they were number four in the country. Uh, and there were ways you could you could beat them. I don't know that all the Pac-12 schools were, were constituted, or the program, uh, in order to beat him. I don't know that that still has the same effect today as uh, – as when he, you know, when he came in, uh, uh, I just think the world has changed. College football has changed. The Pac-12 has changed. But uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I don't know that what USC or what UCLA does should really impact USC football. If USC football does USC football the right way, uh, other than just raise the level, uh, you know, of competition a little bit and make the, you know, the crosstown rivalry game a a bigger deal and uh, make the Pac-12 South more competitive and all that kind of thing. But uh, I think, you know, USC, if USC is USC, it doesn't matter all that much, I think, what UCLA does. But, um, uh, you know, I I just think, I still remember, I was a little kid, and uh, Paul Brown who was one of the great innovative coaches in the history of football for what he had done with the Cleveland Browns in the like forties and fifties and all the things that he came up with. And he was so far ahead of the rest of football and he got the, uh, the rights, basically uh, the coaching job and then eventually the family control and the Bengals. And it, it hit me that there were no in, more innovations that basically what Paul Brown, you know, did when he was just been a great innovator at the Cleveland Browns, that was it. And he brought what he did at at the Browns to the Bengals, but he didn't have any, you know, big innovative advantages or, you know, he didn't have that ability, as I don't think most people do, 
yeah, when you have that one great thing that you do and you get ahead of everybody else, it's just not automatic that you're going to be able to keep doing that and coming up with new things that uh, keep you ahead of everybody else because you are that guy who was coaching at Oregon. And uh, as much as that was truly impactful then, this is now. And it, it is kind of a different world. And uh, so, so we'll see. I, I, I mean, I think it's good for UCLA that – that's a lot of money. I mean, they're going to be investing in the, the Mora buyout at $12 million and the $23.3 million. That's $35.3 million UCLA, a kind of a cash-strapped University of California school, is going to invest into two people over the next, uh, you know, five years. And one of them won't even be there. And I'm not sure is that the best, you know, way to invest $35 million. Uh, I'm not sure. But uh, it, it, it makes things interesting. It's going to be fun uh, to have him around. Yeah, I think it's definitely making things interesting. Uh, actually, as we're recording this, the, his press conference is about to go off on UCLA. Bruce Feldman tweeted, Cheerleaders, the Bruin mascot, probably 200 donors slash media, a bar and a spread of food. I've seen a bunch of intro press conferences out here in SoCal for new college coaches. Haven't seen an event like this uh, one today at UCLA for Chip Kelly. So they're making, they're putting on <laughs> Putting a lot of eggs into this basket, and uh, we'll we'll definitely see, um, you know how it change. I think it'll change the college football landscape in the Pac-12, certainly in the Pac-12 South. Um, so it, it's going to be. It is amazing, though. I mean, you read the UCLA boards, and and you see all of these comments like, "This is the greatest thing ever to happen to UCLA football," and you think, "Wow, huh? That's not a lot of good things. So, that's not so good, is it? Is that a?" Is that like a compliment to USC football? If this is the greatest, I mean, he hasn't coached a game. He hasn't coached a minute there. And then this is the greatest thing that has ever happened. Now, if you were hiring Nick Saban, hmm, yeah, maybe, you know, or bringing Bear Bryant back or whatever. But, uh, you know, Chip Kelly did some nice things at, at Oregon. But uh, if this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to UCLA. I wonder what, you know, Terry Donahue, you know, is thinking or, uh, <laughs> gosh, I mean, uh, you know, they had some, you know, they had some pretty good, uh, you know, Red Sanders and Tommy Prothrow and, you know, they, they've done some pretty good things at UCLA and it almost is, you know, really kind of a put down of your program. If you say, you know, this, this guy is the greatest thing that's ever happened to your program. But I know like with the press conference, they were saying, uh, it's at one o'clock today, but you can't be there before noon. We're not letting anybody in before noon. I'm thinking, what are they selling tickets or, or you know, <laughs> is it fe- festival seating? I mean, come on. Um, but you got to give them credit. They're trying. Yeah. And, and, and that's good for them. Yeah. And I think, you know, people have talked about that make things good for USC too, more competitive and all that kind of stuff. So we don't, we don't want to put too much on all that stuff, but I just wanted to kind of, Bring it up to start and, and get your thoughts on that. Um, there's also, so my timeline on Twitter today, you can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy, uh, Dan at DWeber3440, right, Dan? Is that right? Yep. Okay. That's it. Um, so there, during the conference, you know, uh, Clay Helton talked up T. Martin about potentially being a head coach. Uh, you know, I live in a house of a Tennessee fan, and it's been insane what's been going on there where they were going to hire. Greg Schiano and Twitter, Vol Twitter went ballistic and basically got the hire blocked. And, you know, T. Martin seems like a real option there. And so, like, my timeline was going nuts 
uh, with all these people, like, what is USC going to do, blah, blah, blah. There's some people like, get rid of him, you know, good riddance. And there's other people like, no, he's our best recruiter. And then I've got like, I get like an Eric from Rosemead who wrote in. He said, what is the likelihood of Norm Chow coming back to call plays again? Why not hire ex-Trojan greats to coach recruit? What kid wouldn't commit to when seeing a DB coach, Ronnie Lott, or offensive line coach, Anthony Munoz, or other great past Trojans? Go Trojans, beat the team with the stupidest mascot ever fight on, Eric and Rosemead. Eric, no. Like, those are all horrible ideas. Like, no. Norm Chow is retired. Like, he's living in a No, he's not coaching anywhere. He's... No, like, just no. People are like, well, what about, no, d- d- stop with the dumb ideas. So I don't know if you're seeing that, Dan, but I'm seeing it too, way too much. Yeah, I, I, you see things that are desperation moves, and I don't like desperation moves. Uh, and you're seeing things um, before their time. I mean, you don't have to decide these things uh you're not in, I mean, and maybe this is that whole fantasy footballization where you really think you, it's your team and you're in charge and you make the moves and blah, blah. No, you don't. You know, there are a lot of things that have to happen before, you know, another move is possible. Now, there are some moves that, you know, you could say, hey, I'd like to see this move made right here. And I, there's no problem there. I don't know if this Tennessee, what happened there is going to change the landscape of college football. I mean, because that's really the first time, uh, you know, in the kind of the Internet age just came and and grabbed an athletic department and said, no, you can't do that. (laughs) Right. Uh, And we're not going to let you do that. And they basically said, oh, okay. I mean, let's face it. If, uh, you know, we've all heard the stories that uh, the one person that that Pat Aiden zeroed in on was – Greg Ciano was the uh, the NFL person that, that USC had talked to. And uh, my guess is the USC fan base at that time would probably not have, uh, you know, raised up and, 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 had, and had, they might have had a ruckus, but maybe not the coach stopping, you know, coach hiring process stopping ruckus that they had at Tennessee. Now, of course, Tennessee has that rock that you get to paint, you know, your slogan of the day on yeah. and the, uh, the people pre, who pre Twitter, it. that was like vault Twitter before Twitter was around. You could put your thoughts on that rock. And it still works because <laughs> what happened is they got that rock painted Sunday morning and that got on Twitter. And, uh, that was a showstopper. Uh, the Greg Ciano post, uh, a paint job on the, uh, on the rock. And, uh, that one, I think that might've had more impact than almost any single thing that happened. Uh, you know, on Sunday, but, uh, yeah, this is a different world, a different time, but, uh, just because you can get your ideas out there and people will see them, it doesn't make, make them good ideas <laughs> just cause you know, you, you can throw them out there fine, but, uh, that doesn't mean anybody's got to listen to them or pay attention to them and, um, and just keep throwing stuff out there. I mean, uh, you know, if Anthony Munoz would have wanted to coach college football, he'd have been coaching college football. That isn't what he does. I mean, if he wanted to live in L.A., he'd be living in L.A., but he's in Cincinnati. And he's perfectly happy, you know, doing what he's doing. And uh, and, I, and the same with Ronnie Lott. I mean, you just, you know, and Marcus Allen. I mean, I'd love to have Marcus Allen around coaching. I mean, uh, but that's not what he does, but... 
you know, do these guys get football? Oh, you bet. I yeah. mean, one would love to be at the first practice where you had Marcus Allen and Ronnie Lott and Anthony Munoz coaching, uh, but that didn't get to happen. Wish it, you know, you can wish it all you want. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like if like a Lynn Swan wanted to be in, like, athletics, he would have, like, you know, not lived in Pennsylvania and, and been around. <laughs> oh, wait. No, crap. Sorry, Dad. I'm just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, we love Lynn. We're just kidding. There's always um, an exception that proves the rule. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. That's just that's the USC way. They seem to want to do that. But then the fans kind of get like that. I'm like, no, 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 stop. Like, didn't you well, see Dylan McCullough? You maybe do it in one place. You can't do it in every place. No. Like, you know? D- that's the thing you can't do. You need more you Dylan know? McCulloughs. Dylan McCullough had no ties to USC, was just a good running back coach. You bring him in, what, lo and behold, it looks good. Like he's he's got the running back playing well. You know they're not fumbling. Like that's what you do. You don't go get some guy that you know. Like just because you know him because he's a big name and he's never done that job that you're hiring him to do before. I don't. Know, I don't want to get on a soapbox on that. Um, we got we had a voicemail from Paul in Virginia. Paul, love it, but it was uh, over two minutes. We can't play that. Um, he couple points he wanted to know, and this was kind of the main thing coming in because we're going to talk about the bye week. He's he's concerned that the staff doesn't see all the the flaws the uh you know the flaws that the the fan base seems to be able to see in the team where they're not playing well every week and stuff like that he just seems like they don't get it but the more uh important part of it was he was talking about uh the preparation and practice and i'm getting a lot of this on twitter too that today is going to be the first day today's monday the first day we'll be able to go out to practice now we don't know exactly what they did last week but the plan was just not to do very much and really just have one week of regular practice going into it. So maybe you kind of want to address uh, that, like what Paul in Virginia was talking about. Yeah, I will say this. Uh, uh, as much as we were told yesterday was a walkthrough, at the, uh, on the conference call today, Clay called it a practice. I think two or three times he referred to yesterday's practice. So even though... It wasn't the practice that we could cover or considered a practice because at that point we're supposed to be able to cover it. Clay kept calling it a practice. And he said it did look like their plan was to, to let them heal up. And, and, and not only were they, did they have a lot of bumps and bruises, but a lot of uh, they were just tired. And we'll say this. David Shaw said, when they asked David about the buy question, there were at least three buy questions for USC, which is pretty amazing uh, that they're never going to get away from the buy in this year. Uh, but David Shaw did say no one deserves a buy more than USC for this game, uh, uh, having played 12 straight games. Uh, and he said, and David Shaw I, was very, uh, you know, gracious about it. He did say, we would have probably liked to have seven whole days ourselves to get ready for this game <laughs> and not have to play it on a short week. He did note, though, that he said at least we don't have to travel, and they do. I guess Stanford, somebody did the math. Uh, Stanford's campus is 17 miles away from Levi Stadium. So he said that's a big help. He said if we'd have had to tra- you know, travel, it would have, you're out of luck. He said you're not. He said the chances of, of, of winning – he said the Pac-12 coaches are starting to deal with this because he said the chances of winning if you have to play a short week and travel are minuscule. They're not minuscule. They're zero. <laughs> it's not like you might have a chance. No, you don't have a chance. So he said, uh, 
but you see, uh, Clay said he thinks everybody, they're still not all going to be 100%, and, and we're not talking about Port Augustine here, but he said, you know, we're talking about the basic, you know, running backs and Ronald Jones' ankle and, and Deontay's, you know, different things. And all. he said nobody is going to be perfect after this week, but he said they're a lot farther back than they would have been without taking off last week um, and that they did, you know, have one day last week where they got, did a walkthrough for Washington State and one day they did a walkthrough for Stanford, which the problem with doing that is you know by definition you're spending one of those two days is not uh, for no purpose because that team isn't going to be the team you know, you're going to play. And that's the question some people might say, would you be better off uh, focusing on yourself? I think David Shaw had an interesting answer. He said, uh, in terms of when you're playing a rematch game from the same season, he said, do you try to do too much? Do you try to outthink yourself? Do you try to say, well, they did this in the first game, but they're going to probably change, and maybe they'll do something that they did last year or three years ago or seven years ago. He said, that's the danger, that you start thinking too much. He said, I think you got to focus on yourself and your team. And, I mean, I think then that's where when you look at Stanford and you say, what do you like about Stanford, is that ability to focus on themselves. This is who we are. Uh, we've got to get better at what we're doing. He said they are better at what they're doing. And uh, USC, he thought that, obviously, the Stanford game, USC was as good as they could possibly be, and he realizes they've hit you know, some real flat spots and, he thinks they're getting back to where they were then. Uh, you know, Clay kind of agrees with, with that. But, uh, but that'll be the key. Uh, does this week get USC back to, um, to where they can, you know, where, close to where they were the first time they played Stanford? How much does Stanford benefit from that game uh, with a new quarterback now who can do – the things that they need to have uh, with uh, the, the Costello kids that can do the things that Stanford needs a quarterback to do that they didn't have when they played USC the first time. The difference is they had a Bryce Love that was completely healthy that game. This time, I mean, you know, he still gained 100 whatever it was, 20-some yards against Notre Dame running on one leg. Uh, but he may not be able to run away from you exactly, but he's still awfully good. Um, and their defense is probably better. Uh, will USC be able to block them the way they did last time? I think it's a big question. I think it's been the big question of the whole year is where did that USC team, especially the offensive line that had the ability to block Stanford the way they did, where did they go? You know, where were they last week against UCLA? Those are the questions you just wonder about. Uh, I will say this. If USC doesn't come out in pads today, which would be, a giant shocker if they do. This will be the ninth straight week uh, that USC will not have practiced in full pads. So that'd be interesting to see. Uh, you know, I, that was, I would like to see them do that. I'm thinking that's not even a chance that they, that they would come out with the focus on you had a week off and this is going to be a really physical game. And uh, let's come out in full pads and do – short yardage stuff and and all of that uh my guess is it'll it'll be uh, the ninth straight week in shorts uh, what was uh didn't, they do, pads. didn't they do full no. pads like mid-october they kind of stopped at the last week of october or something yeah they stopped at uh, 
Uh, let's see. They stopped it the week. Boom, boom, boom. How many weeks? Uh, I think it's only been like four or five weeks, I think. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. They stopped it. They they got a week in there uh, for uh, Washington State. Okay, so that they started no pairs November in September, and then they did it, I'm sorry, the last week of uh, October. So that's two, and then uh, all of November. So whatever that is, that's probably six, six straight. Maybe this would maybe be the seventh straight week because they did it all November, no pads of, uh, of, of October, and then also the last week of September okay. for Washington State. So they've had you know more weeks without pads, without full pads, than with full pads. Than with them, yeah. Uh, Tarek had a question. Uh, we now we have a lot of questions. We're probably going to save some of these that are more like kind of general team stuff until after like maybe two shows after the championship because I'm thinking after the championship you guys will have a lot of questions too. Uh, but we'll try to get to the stuff specific about USC and Stanford and like kind of stuff that's for sure this week. But I'm saving them all so we'll make sure we get to them all um, you know, in the week or so after that game. Uh, but Tark wants to know, does it seem to you that USC has regressed since the Stanford game while Stanford has continually gotten better? Uh, I mean, I, I think that is the question. Uh, you would see, you know, I mean, uh, I think David Shaw said he thought Sam couldn't have played any better than he played against Stanford. Uh, and so, obviously, Sam, you know, Sam has gone in both directions. Um, uh, I, I mean, when you look at the offensive line blocking, I mean, they haven't probably come close to the Stanford game. Uh, you know, since then. So does that mean they've regressed? I mean, I just think it's it, what direction are they going? Are they getting better or not getting better? I would say uh, the offensive line, were they better last week against UCLA? I don't think so. Uh, I think Clay said the one place he thinks they haven't regret, regressed at all, and he's got a case to be made, is that uh, the, the skill positions, uh, the wide receivers and the tight ends, uh, because you're getting guys healthy, like Michael Pittman and Daniel Motterbaby, and you're getting guys uh, uh, who just had enough t- uh, playing time and really getting a chance, uh, like uh, uh, you know Tyler Vaughn. And so I think he thinks that's the place that you would say, okay, they're not regressing there. That They're getting better there. Uh, uh, as far as uh, anything else, they're just not – I'm not sure you can say they're obviously better. I mean, this is kind of a week-to-week thing, and yeah. some weeks they, they show up, and some weeks they, oh, and on they the, just... Yeah. On the yeah. Stanford side, too, Dan, like, you know, Stanford had a bye week and came back and, like, got lucky to beat Oregon State by a point, you know, and they ended up right. losing to Washington State. It's not like this is a Stanford team that's just got better and better since USC played them. They've certainly had their ups and downs. It, we've seen this... All, a lot of these teams have... Looked good or looked bad week to week. It's just so weird that USC looked its best against Stanford way back in week two. Yeah, now Stanford has won eight of nine. I mean, and they certainly just absolutely plastered, uh, say, UCLA. But then they didn't play well against uh, Washington State either. Uh, but then they show up and absolutely, and, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, toot my own horn here. I've kept telling people all year, before, after, during, the Notre Dame game, that Notre Dame was just okay. Not anything special. Got a lot of flaws. I think 
it's been pre- proven pretty well that the two times they had to, you know, play somebody good on the road, they just got smoked. I mean, just smoked by Stanford and, you know, Miami. And, and that's a, you know, you look back now and you think just the inability to get ready to play Washington State and, and Notre Dame and, and just totally not even show up at Notre Dame, I mean, uh, is just a, a mark against this team this year. I mean, that was the, the – and, and to have to hear after the Notre Dame game, we kept hearing the USC kids saying, well, that was a great team. You know, stuff happens like that when you play a great team. They weren't a great team by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, their their fans are now, you know, saying, what are we going to do, end up in the, you know, the Liberty Bowl or somewhere? We're going to end up, you know, they thought they were going to be in the Final Four. And uh, they don't they don't have any idea where they're, you know, where Notre Dame's going to end up. And, uh, and, and so when you look back at this USC team, you're going to think, man, the missed opportunities and the failure to – you know, and a lot of teams, obviously, you saw Alabama on Saturday, you know, they don't show up every week, that's for sure. And I'm not sure anybody's good enough to, to, to really say, oh, they're going to be there every week. But you probably can't afford two weeks where you really don't show up and then seven or eight more weeks where you barely there and you're just enough better that you're, you know, you're going to win, uh, you know, by the end of the 60 minutes, uh, but uh, you're going to survive. But uh, where this team is, uh, you'll know Friday night, and that's, uh, that's about all we can say. I mean, we'll go to practice this week and try to, you know, tell you everything we see. But uh, I don't, I don't think we know. I don't think they know. Yeah, that's. A, <laughs> I don't think anybody knows, but that's okay. I mean, that's that's what's fun about college football, right? We just, right. We don't know. We're 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 learning as we go. We we think we understand. And maybe well, we, we can don't. tell you what's happening. We can't necessarily tell you how that's going to play out, you know, two days down the road or three days or whatever. We, we just don't know. Uh, and I don't think anybody knows. I mean, let's say you're trying to pick out, you know, pick your top ten every week or whatever. I mean, how many changes have you had to make after week 12? I mean, the first, you know, 11 weeks you had no clue. And now week 12 you probably still have no clue. Yeah, uh, and so you know, you just you can know what you can know, and you you better know what you don't know because there's a lot of it. Before we uh, jump in any more, Dan, more questions. I wanted to let everyone know. Hey, you want to go up to Santa Clara? You can be up there, like an hour flight on Southwest. It's pretty easy. We want you to help you help you get up there. Use SeatGeek. So buying tickets for sporting events it can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy and that's with SeatGeek. It's the smartest, easiest way to get tickets for every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last minute deal, like if you want to go up to the Pac-12 championship game, planning a night out or need to find the perfect gift, it is the holidays, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing the Trojans in person and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. So I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. $23 is what I'm seeing as the lowest seats the one of the best deals they have uh, a, a real good seats for about 71 dollars um, a lot of different ranges you can kind of check it all out in the app so it's pretty cool uh, anywhere in just a few taps you can instantly find seats um, it's and it's really designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever it's going to save you time and money because you can search multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find the best deal and all purchases are fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence so uh 
for my listeners here on the Parastyle Podcast, you're going to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code USC today. That's promo code USC, USC and you'll get $20 off uh, your first SeatGeek purchase. So my buddy Sean, who I went to college with, he gave me a call and was like, hey, how can I get to the game? I gave him the app. He's like, thanks so much. So uh, he actually lives up in the Bay Area. So we might we might see him up there, Dan, uh, when we go Good. up there. Yeah. Well, I, I will say this. Save as much money as you can on SeatGeek. I was reading the Stanford board, and they're really not happy because uh, uh, some of the like season ticket holders and that, and they didn't know if they were going to the game until, obviously, uh, Saturday. So they're scrambling to, to get tickets. And one of the things they realized is they're charging anywhere from 50 to $200 for parking at Levi's Stadium. Wow. So... <laughs> so there's a lot of scrambling going on. So USC fans actually have a better deal in some ways because you've known, you know, for the for the two weeks that uh, that the game's coming. Whereas the uh, the Stanford people are uh, are, are scrambling, uh, at, you know, kind of at the last minute. Uh, you, you realize now, if a if a say a Washington State would have been in that game, uh, not only would you have the whole travel thing on a short week, but uh, you know, for the fans to get tickets and all of that. Uh, they, they've got to do a better job in the Pac-12. I mean, obviously, we say that every minute of every day, but uh, this is just not not good, the way this is set up. And uh, David Shaw was right. You know, nobody should have to play no. in the Pac-12 championship on a short week. You yeah. shouldn't. If you added travel to that, I mean, let's face it, if Washington State beats Washington, they're in the game. And, uh, you know, it would have been maybe poetic justice that, after what happened with USC the first time, having to go to Pullman, uh, for Pullman to have to come to you know Santa Clara, but uh, and, and on a completely unrelated topic, I don't know if you noticed this, Ryan, but uh, uh, Auburn rushed the field uh, Saturday after being Alabama, right? Right. Yeah. They got fined by the uh, SEC. They got a big boy fine, <laughs> two hundred and fifty thousand. Dollars, bam! Not one of those twenty-five thousand dollar Pac-12 fines. They gave them the big boy fine, two hundred and fifty grand. That's what a big boy conference does. Yeah, they nail you if you rush the field <laughs> more than once. Uh, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And those enough. fans didn't wouldn't have mind paying. They were all chipped in because oh, they, they had so they, much they, fun. You, you could have collected that before <laughs> they left the field. Uh, I mean, but at least it's something if you're. If you're an athletic administrator and you're thinking, this is going to cost me two hundred and fifty grand, you might at least try to stop them. Yeah, I mean, you would and try to stop them. That's the Iron I mean, Bowl. That's not like a Friday night game, you know, week three or whatever, week four of something of the season. It's you know, or week five, I guess it was. Um, you know, between USC and Washington State, like no, I mean, where you're putting players in danger and all, like, yeah, I get it. Like those are the ones you want to prevent. I don't have as big of a problem with a huge game like that. The number one team in the country, they they haven't lost a regular season game in like a couple years. Like I, I'm a, I'm a little bit okay with that, but yeah, pay the big fine. They'll like you said, they could collect it from everybody before they left the field. They would have paid it off in spades. Yeah, well, and they they did seem quite as as crazy in terms of like jumping over the you know the railings and running you know hell bent for the you know I mean they got out there. It was more like that USC-Stanford game a few years ago where, where they ended up all out on the field, but it wasn't like you felt like you were in danger. 
whereas uh, the Pullman thing was was a little out of control, even with a smaller crowd. But uh, but anyway, good for the SEC. Uh, big boy finds uh, we like uh, when that happens. The uh, you're talking about you know being unfair for Washington State. I, when people asked me two weeks ago, I thought Washington, who USC hadn't played yet, would be the best matchup. Now, they played really well uh, in Seattle. Uh, I think USC and Washington are the only two teams that have actually winning records on the road in the Pac-12. But Washington played better than I thought. But still, they didn't get a great, you know, it's a Jake Browning, you know, throws, completes 11 passes, but they just do everything else well. That um, I thought USC would match up pretty well with that, but I thought USC would match up pretty well against Washington State when the the roles would be reversed. They'd have to be on the road if they beat a tough team in Washington on the road in Seattle. They got to turn around and go on the road again. I thought that'd be a great matchup, and I felt Stanford would be the the least the one the one team you would least like to play if you're USC. So it's important. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really an interesting game. thought because the 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 thought this year was that you know Stanford was the travel team having gone to. Uh, where did they play? Australia. Okay, so they opened in Australia, and I think they might have still been a little jet lagged, even though it was you know a week and a half or whatever later. Uh, but um, uh, I just thought Stanford came out and they were Stanford, and USC knew exactly what Stanford was going to do, how they were going to do it, and USC was just better at doing what they were doing than Stanford was. I mean, I think that's hurt USC in the long run because. They haven't been able to get that Stanford game out of their head, you know. I mean, if if you could do what they did to Stanford, how do you get all excited about Cal or Washington State or whatever? You should be good enough, which obviously you should be. Uh, but I think USC's had a little trouble, you know, living down that Stanford game, and now they get a chance to, you know, to do it again. And, and Stanford is better than they were then, and I think Stanford now. I think Stanford took USC a little bit lightly. I don't think they had, after the watching USC in the Western Michigan game, I don't think they they thought that uh, you know this is going to be another USC team that you know has some has some talent, but they're not really all that together. Don't really know what they want to do. And USC came out and they were totally together and knew exactly what they wanted to do. Had the best uh, you know play calling and the best execution. And, and just steamrolled Stanford, and, and, and Stanford didn't have a quarterback who could get plays off in time, and here's Echenna in his face almost every time. And I think it, 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 now, you know, when you hear David Shaw talk about Chenna, Nuiso, uh, they know what he can do, and they know what they've got to do, uh, you know, against him. And uh, they didn't, I don't think, the first time. And uh, so... It'll be interesting. This whole matchup is going to be very interesting. How this uh, how this plays out? It definitely will be. Um, we had a question from Neil Manila. He said Michigan's defensive coordinator Don Brown also blitzes a lot and leaves DBs in man coverage. How come his secondary doesn't have breakdowns compared to Clancy's? That's Neil Manila. That's a good question. Discipline. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, discipline and, and the ability to, you know, not think you've got to come up and make the tackle. I mean, for example, if you're going to play man, they don't need you to come up and make the tackle. You be- they better not need you. So you don't need to be, you know, looking uh, where I can just break off my coverage and go up and, and, and plant somebody. 
but that eye discipline doesn't exist uh, all that much uh, at the corners, especially, and uh, every once in a while at the safeties. Uh, there's a there is a discipline issue uh, in the USC secondary. I don't think there's any question. I mean, that you see guys in practice that do 360s when they're covering somebody, when they're doing the one-on-one stuff, and you just think, you really did a 360? And you think you're going to be able to do that in a game? I mean, you lost complete control. You know, you have no idea where the ball is or, you're, or the guy you're covering. Uh, so... Discipline is an issue. I don't think there's any question about it with the USC secondary. They, they, they should be athletic. When you've got two five-star corners who were the uh, top athletes in their recruiting classes for the whole country, you shouldn't have to ever worry about playing man-to-man or isolating those guys. That should be fine. That shouldn't be any kind of an issue ever. And when USC talks about it, it's like, oh, man, we're, we're – we're putting those guys under a lot of, you know, a lot of pressure. But, I mean, USC kids used to love to get the chance to play man-to-man. You would think, you know, every time they get to do it, it would be great instead of having to worry about what the heck's going to happen when uh, when we're, we're playing man with these guys. But uh, got to get that discipline. We got one from Tom and Torrance. Uh, he said, hey, Ryan, enjoy the podcast. Listen to it weekly. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Tom. First, Jack Jones should be called Jack Toast Jones because he gets burned at least twice each game. He seems to be lost out there. Is it him or coaching? Please tell me. And then second, Clay Elton never admits that his team has flaws uh, uh, has flaws all over. He always comes up with excuses or positive things, no correction or adjustments in sight. Good coaches admit their shortcomings and promise corrections, not this coach. Can you tell me why? Tom and Torrance. Yeah, Tom, uh, Clay is a, uh, a glass-half-full guy, and there's no question about it. I mean, I remember, and different coaches do this differently. I remember uh, co- uh, covering the Bulls at the very end of uh, Michael Jordan, and Phil Jackson was the coach. And he, every post-game press conference was basically a list of what he wanted them to do in practice and in preparation for their next game. And he, bas- he essentially, I think, did a lot of his coaching through the media, through the things that they weren't doing well. You know, and this is a team that won the m- most games in NBA history in one season. And yet he had things that he wanted them to do that they weren't doing well. And he just very much uh, made you aware that it doesn't seem like Clay – is exactly able to go there. That's just not now. That doesn't mean he's not doing it, at, you know, in private or when they go over it with these kids. They don't seem to do it as much in practice either, where they, you know, stop the practice and 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 say, no, you got to do this right. Uh, uh, it's just a, you know, it's, it's just a matter of who he is and how he uh, how he approaches his job. Uh, but uh, but it can be a worry. I think it can be a worry that. Uh, you know, that a guy like, you know, Jack Jones is, is who he is. He's the kid that came in as a freshman declaring he was in the running for the Heisman. Um, and, and he takes, uh, that would take a lot of work to get Jack to be as disciplined as you would need him to be, uh, to not have those couple of times where he's just sure that the play's coming to him 
and he's going to come up and make a tackle for a loss. And all of a sudden, oops, there goes, there goes my man. Um, and just, and I do think, you know, they, they're aware of it when they talk about his eye discipline and his, you know, the necessity that he sees the play that's actually there and he doesn't try to guess uh, and try to, try to, you know, jump, jump something that's not jumpable. And that's, you know, when you try to, you know, you just you can't keep coming up and trying to make plays that aren't there. And uh, they've got to do better. There's no question about it. Uh, but uh, but you're not going to ever see or hear Clay, you know, bust one of those guys publicly. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, not a style. Uh, at least yet, you know, maybe he maybe that changes as he becomes, uh, you know, couple years into his head coaching tenure we had a text question uh okay so just so i wrote a piece on i guess it was saturday morning just kind of like hey here's what would need to happen for usc to have a chance to make the playoff i'd gone on kind of a rant before on one of my other podcasts saying that i don't think it's better for usc to make the playoff this year they just don't seem like that kind of a caliber of team i think it'd be better to win the pac-12 and go to the fiesta bowl um and i'd given an analogy like People are like, well, if you if you have a chance to go to the playoff, you just go. And to me, it's like, you know, if you're a, a great skier but you're coming off an injury or something, it doesn't mean you have to go down the double black diamond. You can you can go down the medium route this time until you get fully healthy. I just don't think this it would be best for this team to make the playoff. Um, but that's what this guy is referring to. He said, I love the analogy you gave last week regarding the college football playoff with the double black diamond and USC being better off taking a Fiesta Bowl win over getting trampled in the playoff. My question is, who do you guys feel would be the best matchup for USC in the Fiesta Bowl? Thanks for your awesome work. Keep it up. Uh, keep it going and fight on. Uh, he didn't leave a name. Uh, but any thoughts on that, Dan, about... Yeah, you... I mean, I, you would think it's going to be either, you know, Ohio State or Wisconsin. Uh, you'd probably rather have Ohio State. They're probably the closest team in America to USC in terms of how they play. I mean, they, uh, they might be there and they might not be there and they might not really be there. I mean, they had a worse, uh, you know, as bad as USC's Notre Dame game was, uh, Ohio State's uh, game at, at Iowa was worse. Uh, so they've got the ability to, to, to show up badly. Uh, that would be interesting for this point also. I think 24-7 does the uh, composite recruiting over the last five years, uh, the, the kids in your program right now. And uh, uh, Ohio State is number two nationally and USC number three Alabama number one but Ohio State and USC are the second and third highest ranked uh, uh, rosters in the country so uh, there are a lot of similarities between these two uh, you get a lot of Ohio State fans in uh, in in Phoenix and at the Fiesta Bowl so that would be probably my uh, my call I might disagree with you I, I was agreeing with you until each weekend now, who is any good in the final four? I mean, who in the final floor four isn't going to be really flawed? Is there anybody? I mean, that's this might be the year that you would, you know, want to get in there and maybe get lucky two straight games. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, who's, no. who's, who's that good? I don't think anybody is that good. I mean, somebody pointed out that uh, – the Jared Stidham from Auburn, the quarterback from Auburn, was the first pro-style quarterback that Alabama had faced all year. 
wow, you can go 12 games in the SEC and you see one pro-style quarterback. Huh. Well, that could be a difficulty for Alabama, as it turned out to be. Uh, Alabama didn't do so well in the, the last two, you know, the last cha- championship game against Deshaun Watson. Uh, so you just don't know who is that team. I mean, I don't know that, that Clemson is with, you know, with a you know, new quarterback. Um, is Oklahoma? Ah, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know that there's anybody on the horizon that if USC shows up to play, they can't play with. I mean, that's uh, the question is, will USC show up to play? But when you look at the whole country this year, this might be the year that even if you consider yourself a long shot, it might not be the worst year to be in the Final Four just because who knows? I mean, I don't, I'm not that convinced that, that there's anybody out there. Although, I will say this, every time you watch Wisconsin – how they keep that in their Wisconsin, they do it with new guys, they do it with guys you haven't heard of, and they just keep doing it. And and one would think that might be a, a difficult matchup unless USC remembers, oh, wait, that was a team we played in the Holiday Bowl when we didn't actually kind of practice much to get ready <laughs> for that them, and they just kind of buried us. Uh, maybe this time we'll actually get ready for them. Maybe this time we'll actually practice in pads and – and and realize they're going to try to you know bury us into the turf. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I think either one of those would be a good game for USC and would be good for the program. Obviously, if you win, you know, if you get there. I mean, these last two games really are, are, are to some extent programming program defining games for Clay Helton because you know they're they're now saying that they've made progress this year because they have their the they control their own destiny which they didn't do last year okay so but controlling your own destiny and getting into the championship game probably doesn't do almost anything for you in the Pac-12 South uh if you don't win the championship game just getting to the championship game I don't think qualifies as progress at all for USC and if you lose the championship game you end up in the Alamo Bowl, I guess, against maybe, I don't know, Oklahoma State or TCU or somebody like that, who would be pretty dangerous, could be, you know, quite dangerous. And uh, so I, I might almost say if, if all the things that could happen happen that could get USC into the playoffs, and I think, you know, 5% chance is, is about as much as, as you could ask for, uh, I might take it. I might take it. I mean, either way, you'd be in the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl, which I, I would probably take. And uh, who knows? Yeah, that's the thing is, who knows at this point? Um, Nick and Cypress, who's your offensive-defensive MVPs of the team this year? I think Chenna. I don't think there's any question on defense. Chenna Nwusu, he's just been uh, – he's been uh, – you just couldn't have asked for anything more. Uh, in terms of leadership and play and and just being a part of everything that they do uh, and and being the one guy that people can't handle and smart and tough and quick and just a, a terrific year. So now I'm a big, big Chenna guy. And uh, Clay, you know, has been saying that for the whole year, saying it's in spring, that Chenna was going to be the guy, and, and they're, he's absolutely right about that. Uh, offensively, that's a really good question. Uh, I'd probably hmm. go with Rojo, I think. I would probably go Rojo. 
I think Rojo. I mean, I just think, you know, he's uh, he hasn't had an easy way of it. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that's just got unbelievable ability when he gets to the second and third levels. And you just think, you know, how hard it was just last week against UCLA and their horrible run defense. And he probably got hit in the backfield more times than he got got to the line of scrimmage without being hit. And uh, and he just had to grind it out, and he just kept working and busting his tail and uh, for the, whatever, 122 yards that he got. But, uh, but he just uh, he had a wonderful year, you know, put on that extra weight, did everything they asked of him, uh, you know, improved his pass catching. Um, just, uh, you, you just got to love what he's done this year. We got a text message from Chris. He said, hey, Ryan and Dan. Do you guys think the coaching staff needs some upgrades? Um, I've been on record saying that, yes, there's some changes to be made. He said if Coach T. Martin gets picked up for the UT job or another job, could Mark Helfrich be the type of candidate the offense needs? Fight on from Chris. Um, Helfrich is doing media stuff, and I think he's doing a pretty good job of it. Um, But I would think, if anywhere, he goes probably across town to, to go back with Chip Kelly. But I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I thought he was already signed, signed, sealed, and delivered. Uh, if you read uh, the the Bruin boards, uh, he's already there, isn't he? Uh, I mean, oh. they <laughs> they signed like eight or nine coaches, from what I could tell. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, you don't know. Uh, I'm still now after watching, and the guy I I would have liked if they could have gotten him back a couple of years ago would be uh, a guy who's doing an unbelievable job this year now as a head coach again, Jeff Tedford. Uh, uh, he would have been the guy, if I would have been USC and would have targeted somebody a couple of years ago, I think it would have been him uh, as, as an offensive coordinator. But, um, uh, you know, I think you've got to find those guys who are just, you know, just out there. I don't know. There's a, as a Pat Hill, uh, as a possible, you know, guy, I don't even know what he's doing. The former Fresno coach, uh, an LA guy, uh, you know, do you need that kind of blend of, of, you know, the, the, the tough veteran sort of a guy, um, and, and then find the next D-Land McCullough, uh, at whatever, uh, you know, position you're looking at. But, uh, but I would think, you have to, you have to have a recruiting component with every coach you hire. They're going to get yes. a tenth hire, a tenth assistant, uh, and so that guy. A lot of places, I think, it's going to come in January. Are going to hire primarily a recruiter there, and then uh, if you get one or two hires, um, I would think recruiting has to be a big part of of what they do uh, for USC. So. So yeah, I think I think it's going to happen. It has to happen, and uh, and that's how kind of I I think I'd structure it. We got a George in Oxnard uh, text message from him. Who will be under more pressure this off season, Coach Helton or Lynn Swan? I think they both need to step up their game if the USC football program is going to take that step towards the next level. Ten and two is nice, but being out of the playoff hunt is not. Lynn Swan has been awful quiet during his short tenure so far, and the Chip Kelly hire across town will surely warm up a few seats around Heritage Hall. Thanks and fight on, George and Oxnard. Well, I think when you throw Lynn Swan's name in there, 
and you talk about stepping up his game, I think we have to find out what exactly is his game and is he going to get in the game. I mean, I don't know that we've really seen exactly much of what is the, the Lynn Swan game. Uh, you know, we know that they have a sit-down every Monday, and we know he he's not a, you know, he's not uh, a sunshine pumper, that's for sure. Uh, but what exactly does that mean? I mean, we've heard, you know, there are stories about uh, people trying to, you know, get the kind of uh, support that maybe would allow you to upgrade, uh, you know, your staff. Haven't seen that yet, uh, but but you know, you you kind of hear hear things uh, here and there that uh, that people understand that and that USC probably isn't completely in the game, uh, that, say, Alabama and Ohio State and Michigan and, and Clemson and, and, and even Notre Dame are playing. And uh, so there are ways in which uh, I think the athletic director can be a real factor there. Um, we just haven't, haven't seen it, but do they have to step up their game? Yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, irrespective of what they do, uh, you know, in Westwood. I mean, I just think – to, to be a legitimate, you know, contender, as USC says, they are. Clay says it. Lynn says, you know, everybody says it. Uh, for national championships, uh, USC has to step up its game. I mean, it's just, you know, it's not even worth, you know, arguing about. They absolutely have to do that. And uh, and so I think it'd be a good time for for Lynn to make it real clear uh, what that stepping up the game means. Uh, and that would be, uh, I think, uh, you know, the kind of signal USC's fan base and, and, and Clay would, uh, would need that, that USC really understands what they have to do to be a, a national championship contender and be the kind of program that, that Lynn and Clay say that USC uh, has to be. The, uh, I mean, that's why I guess this Friday's game, Dan, is so important uh, to me, and I think it's, it's one of those things where I think, and I think our friend Alicia wrote something on Reign of Troy that was like, kind of, it's basically put up or shut up time. And I, I agreed with what she was saying, the premise of what she was saying, is this is all the complaints that USC fans have had, because you didn't blow this team out, you didn't look good here, you could have lost this game, blah, 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 like on and on. Like, I, it makes all sense. But if you win the Pac-12 championship, then it's all kind of like, all right, it's fine. You know, you did what you needed to do. You didn't make the playoff. You won the championship, and you're going to like the Fiesta Bowl. That I think that's good. Like you got, you have to give credit where credit's due. But the other thing is, if they play like that all year, and then they end up losing the Pac-12 championship game, how much of a setback is that? Like then I think you're going to get all of that. Like hey, all the things the fans have been saying all year long, well they were true. You just lost. You just weren't listening. Um, what are your kind of thoughts on that? Because it seems like there's so much to be riding on this game for USC on Friday. Yeah, it's absolutely the case. Uh, uh, your only answer to the criticism is, is winning. Uh, you got there. Honestly, how big a deal is that in the Pac-12 South this year? Uh, you know, so, and, and surviving the schedule is, is nice, but as it turns out, there are so few winning teams on USC's schedule right now. Uh, it wasn't a bad schedule, but it wasn't you know, an absolute killer schedule. Uh, I'm really tired of hearing about the 12 games in a row. Uh, you know, you just, that's, you know, that was the, 
that was the you know the the, the draw you got, and uh, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. You got the three uh, games to open up uh, the year with, and um, so uh, I think all that matters is is Friday. Nothing else matters for this year. Uh, you either uh, put up or shut up is exactly the right way. You uh, either get it done and say. We knew we were building to this. I mean, last year, for example, the validation last year was the Rose Bowl. If they don't come back and, and score 52 points uh, and give up 49, we got a whole different year. Uh, last year looked completely different to us, to everybody, to the whole world, um, if they don't you know, get that comeback and come back from 14 down. And, um, and, and win that game as spectacularly as they did. But it had a lot of, of issues. They gave up 49 points uh, to a team that shouldn't have scored 49 on them. Uh, but they won. And this, this week, uh, if you lose to a team you, you really you know, plastered early in the year, that's going to send all that me- the messages that you don't want sent, that this, uh, this group can't get it done, this staff can't get it done that they're not getting better. And last year the message was we got better. We struggled and we got better and we finished on a high note. Uh, This year, you can't even with the wins, you can't necessarily say, see, we're better, we're we're improving. The the quality of the wins hasn't been such that, you know, you would be able to say that. So now what do you got to do? You got to go out and win this game. I mean, it's, it's, there's no, there's no other, uh, other way you can go at this point. There's no, because not only if you if you don't win this game, you also drop to a lower bowl game, a lower profile bowl game, against a team that probably has almost as good a chance of beating you as as whoever you play in the Fiesta Bowl. And um, so a lot of bad things happen if they lose uh, if they lose Friday. A lot of bad things. And uh, you know with the momentum that UCLA is going to have, whether it's deserved or not, or real or not, USC, I don't think, can afford to lose the momentum here. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they, it's an absolute must, no question about it. Yeah. All so much riding on the game Friday night. Hopefully we'll see you guys up there in Santa Clara. Uh, yeah, should be fun. Dan, looking forward to uh, seeing you out of practice a little bit later on this afternoon. Yep, that's... Uh, It'll be interesting. It, it does. It, it'll hit you how long it's been since we've seen the team. Uh, so, and 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 you can see changes over, say, more than a week uh, that you haven't seen them. So uh, these are always fun and interesting practices to go to because you do pick up things uh, that you know that you're interested in seeing, uh, especially with the guys coming back and. Uh, you know how does everybody look? Uh, just there's a feel to you know where are they uh, when they, you know when they get going uh, at you know practice today. So uh, uh, can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. All right, that's Dan Weber. Make sure you check him out on uscfootball.com. We already had Coach Harvey High this week. We did a premium USC recruiting podcast with Gerard Martinez. So all our VIP members at uscfootball.com, you can check that out. Lots of good inside scoop there. We got this show. I'll probably do a solo show this week, and we'll be back with uh, Keeley and Shotgun. They're doing more. So I know you guys have a lot more questions. We'll try to get to those as well. 
All of this leading up to the Pac-12 championship game Friday night in uh, Santa Clara. All right, so for Dan Weber, I'm Ryan Abraham. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.